Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 216 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul Hirons. Uh, we're back on. And as our pal, I read today, as our pal uh, Lindsay Patterson said on the Twitters, or whatever it's called now, um, the the social media site formerly known as Twitter, Lindsay Patterson said, it's that time of year when you turn the notifications for Ian Rappaport back on again because it's... Things are starting to happen, aren't they? Um, it's all good fun. They're, the boys are back in town. They're they're back in camp. Um, all the veterans coming along this week, but we've seen Joe Boy Burrow back in camp. We've seen the rookies uh, begin their NFL journeys. It's all exciting. The sun is out by all accounts. Mock turtle soup has been served at the Bengals Media Day today and right here next to me now, at least via the um, magic of the internet, is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, hello. How you doing, my son? It's a pleasure to be back again after last week's um, return for Cincinnati. And, um, you know, just the, the excitement is bubbling now. It's just starting to get a bit tasty, in it? You know, it's a couple of weeks out from the preseason. The boys are back at camp. Great to see Joe Boy out there, you know, prowling around, looking a bit... Looking a bit naughty, and he with his haircut, looking a bit, a bit tasty. And what do you think of that old yeah, floppy, all, all floppy bit... fringe? That sort of nineties boy look, band yeah. look. Is that is that is that the right description? Yeah. I think it's a nice look for the geezer. And I mean, I, I think Joe Boy could do anything he wants, and he, you know, people would say it was a good look. I think he could shave his head. I think it looked quite good. I think he could get a mohawk. I think people would like it. I, I think he's, I it, do a lot for him. To do something wrong with it, Joe Boy. I can, I can imagine nearly, nearly within reason, he could do about just about anything, and I think people would be willing to, you know, sort of give him a bit of praise for it, give him a sort of, you know, pass over for it, because I think he must be, you know, universally one of the most liked players around the league. Um, I don't know. Nice. I don't know about that. I think I don't think a lot of other fans, from what I've been seeing on the internet, uh, on on Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter. Sorry, Elon, but I am. Um, People tend to think he's massively overrated. I, mean, I know I only see sort of like snarky comebacks from fans of other teams in response to uh, Bengals fans saying he's the best thing since sliced bread. But there's a lot. Of, it seems to me there's a lot of people out there who think he's wildly overrated. Well, we'll have to see, won't we? You know, <laughs> I, I would like to tell him that myself. But I, mean, I no. don't know. Yes, yeah, some bad games and. You know, at times last year he wasn't at his best. But I mean, he's he's a top talent and he's he's a lovely geezer. I'm yeah, I'm proud. You know, I think it's always important when you're um, a fan of a team. You can't control 
the personalities and the human beings behind the athletes but it is always nice when you support a team and you can be proud and sort of you know really get behind the people that are on your team and I always think we've been quite lucky with that certainly in recent times Andy Dalton was an absolute stand-up gentleman um, that led us before that and obviously um, you know transitioning over to Joe Boy it's a, it's a nice position to be in isn't it compared to some certain other characters that you know, knock around the uh, the NFL and the AFC North. Um, slightly well, closer. you could argue that it makes a nice change for the Bengals because those nefarious characters used to populate the Bengals yeah. roster from time to time, didn't they? And that's what gave the Bengals a sometimes unfairly uh, bad reputation as a as a team full of bad boys. Um, but now they're 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 pre- they're a pretty good bunch these past sort of three, four, five years, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that Zach Taylor has really tried to instill, isn't it? He tries to draft leaders. He tries to really sort of bring about this nice positive culture of gentlemen, um, I think. And we've seen over the last couple of years, it seems to have worked. It seems to have built a very cohesive, strong unit. Um, And, you know, that does take time to, to build. I think in year one and two, Zach was getting, you know, his head cut off at every opportunity. And you wondered really if he'd be able to make it last with this team but you can't just come into someone else's team especially someone like Marvin who had been around for donkey's years and really had his own guys in there and clear them out bring them in you know there was always going to be some you know some slightly teething growing moments so to say and a fair play to Zach because he survived it he's got through it he's built a fantastic culture and you know a bit like Joe Boy now he's universally liked by all fans I don't think there's really any fans out there now after guiding us to a Super Bowl and then an AFC title game um, only losing narrowly to the Chiefs there's not many people you'll find out there now that doesn't believe in Zach Taylor Indeedy. Well, um, the go on then. Oh, sorry. Yep. 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 yep, yep. No, sorry, I just. Sorry, we're off on our time in here, Sungs. We're just getting back into it. It's our pre-season. But like I was saying, Zach Taylor's a top boy, isn't he? I mean, we've met him a couple of times. He's just a really nice man. And, you know, it's always nice when you've got someone like that on your team and not some, you know, some knobhead that, you know, you wouldn't be able for a pint with. I know, right? Um, yeah, he, he is a good bloke, isn't he, old Zach? And we all know that. But I, what I've liked about this off-season, I've seen a lot of Bengals players out in the community. Um, like Ted Ted Karras has been out flogging he's his everywhere. hats. He's everywhere in the community, which is great. Joe Mixon had a birthday party, a white-out birthday party last night. Uh, we're recording this on Monday the 24th. So um, who else have I seen? Um uh, Sam Hubbard has been out and about. Tyler Boyd has been hosting his summer camps in his na- native Pittsburgh. Um, and Zach has been hosting things in Mount Lookout, uh, a little area of Cincinnati, so um, where he lives. So it's really great to see people out in the community, really, I think. And they you know, uh, and mixing with the fans. And that's only got to be a good, I must say, quite jealous. Imagine that, just pop. Where are you going tonight, Nathan? Uh, I'm just nipping out to hang out with a bunch of Bengals fans, uh, players. Well, you, I was going to say, Sonny, are you not hosting any camps up in up in the Midlands? <laughs> no. Um, no, no. I've never hosted a camp. Maybe I should. Uh, I'm not sure what that camp would be for. Maybe perhaps, you know, the Paul Hiron's first ever Jaffa cake eating camp uh, for summer. That would be quite something. I could do that. We need to get you a DBS check before you run any camps. Well, exactly. There is that. Maybe it it wouldn't be for kids. It'd be for overweight, middle-aged 
uh, men, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, you're all welcome. You're all welcome. Um, okay, so this episode we've got the brilliant uh, Jay Morrison uh, coming up. I almost said the Athletics Jay Morrison, but of course he is now uh, writing for Pro Football Network. So Jay's coming up to help us preview training camp. And uh, we've got some of your uh, questions. I can see them on screen now. Again, we're all easing into the season and some of these questions are definitely... <laughs> Definitely easy easing in um, questions, I would say. Just getting yourselves match fit, which I like. Uh, so get ready for some curveballs there, uh, Nathan. Um, but uh, before we get on with stuff, um, must mention uh, a huge congratulations from everyone here at Cincinnati Natter, i.e. me and Nathan, and I'm sure I speak for everyone out there. Congratulations to our very own Tom McDowell and Natasha who got married at the weekend and uh, I'm as we all know Tom is at Wagat Dubdidi on Twitter is uh, probably I think I'm I think this is fair to say Nathan isn't it Tom is is the UK the closest thing the UK has to a super fan now a lot of people in the states and we see it all the time they deck out their spare rooms in orange and black they turn it into kind of watching rooms proper man caves if you want to use that phrase um uh, jer framed jerseys on the on the uh, on the walls proper you know bars built into into the corner of rooms the whole nine yards it's all very elaborate and very impressive um i can't think of anyone in the uk bengals wise that done does that but tom is the nearest person to a super fan um, in the UK and so Tom got married to Natasha at the weekend he walked down the aisle or at least wa walked back down the aisle after the ceremony to uh, one of the Bengals boys songs his um, <laughs> his table place names were things like Jamar Chase and Ryan Finley and John Kitner and all that kind of stuff so um, Someone was lucky enough to sit on the Jamar Chase table. Someone was lucky enough to sit on the John Kitner table. And his cake had some sort of element of uh, uh, tiger stripes on there. So huge congratulations to Tom, who does do a lot for us as well in terms of Bengals UK. So um, uh, huge congratulations. And then uh, that doesn't stop there, Nathan. There's another wedding today. Um, Paris Pinney, our old pal Paris, uh, is getting married to Emma today. Um, again, Monday the 24th. So sending lots of love to those guys and lots of congratulations. So it seems as though tis the season for getting married, Nathan. Well, I was going to say wedding season and a massive congratulations to everyone that's uh, knocking around and putting a ring on it. Um, you know, I hope the weather isn't terrible for Paris today, where he, wherever he's getting married. I hope it held out. But um, yeah, massive congratulations and get the, get that sort of business out of the way before the season's back. I like it. Absolutely. You know, yeah, priorities, yeah. No, yeah. no risk of it, you know, sort of taking up any time on a Sunday. So yeah, I like that. I like the strategy there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are, just for this week, no longer the uh, the most celebrated power couple in Bengaldom. Um <laughs> Tom and Natasha and Paris and Emma 
uh, take that mantle. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to them. So, Nathan, training camp. Um, but before that, we just got to talk about a few things from Bengals Media Day. Obviously, mo- mock turtle soup was served yet again to the journalists in attendance. And Paul Dana Jr. Uh, tweeted out a picture of said mock turtle soup. And I have to say, it looked pretty awful. Do you know what mock turtle is? Mock no, turtle soup is? Huh? I've heard of I've heard of the chatter on Twitter about it, but I couldn't confidently say that I have a Scooby-Doo what it is. Right. Check this out. Mock turtle soup. This is Wikipedia, right? Uh, Mock turtle soup is an English soup. Really sorry, everyone in Cincinnati and America and the world. Um, Soup that was created in the mid-18th century as an imitation of green turtle soup. So people did eat turtles, basically. Um... It's often it often uses brain, and I have to say I wasn't expecting this sentence. Right, um, it often uses brains and organ meats such as calf's head to duplicate the texture and flavour of the original turtle meat. After the green turtles used to make the original dish were hunted nearly to extinction, in the United States, mock turtle soup became, eventually became more popular than the original dish. And is still popular in Cincinnati. The tr- the soup is uh, also a traditional dish in the lower Saxony areas of Germany, where it is a considered a speciality of English cuisine. So basically, it's brains and offal. That sounds genuinely bonkers. It made me, I'm <laughs> absolutely starving. I've just been out playing squash, starving for my dinner after this, and I'm, my stomach's turned after that. That sounds absolutely shocking. It does, doesn't it? And uh, it's. It, I, I'd love to know, because I also saw a tweet today by our old chum Mike Sauce, who says that um, says that he, as a, as a, as a native Cincinnatian, Growing up, he never even heard of this mock turtle soup nonsense. It, obviously, chili is a staple in in Cincinnati, but it's interesting that um, mock turtle soup is also a Cincinnati's or, or a dish popular in Cincinnati. All I can do is apologise on uh, on uh, on our behalf because uh, it looks disgusting. However, things were also spoken. Words were also spoken today. Um, Mostly about the extensions, the upcoming extensions, right? So, um, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I kind of expect it, and I do still expect, actually, as training camp wears on, there will be some... Still. Sorry? Are we talk about soup still? No, 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 extensions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of soups. I don't know about these mock turtle ones, but I absolutely love a soup. Was you, you like a soup? Yeah, I do like a soup actually. Well, if you had, just quickly, if you had to go for a sort of staple soup, what are you going for? I like. Um, oh, that's a good question. So here's the thing, right? My mom makes this soup, this Italian soup, which is basically chicken, like bits of chicken. Um, uh, it's it's almost like an Italian version of Jewish noodle, a chicken noodle soup, you know. Um, so it's sort of Stock of some description, little tiny pasta stars called pastina, um, uh, some chicken, some carrots, some celery, some onion. Now, obviously, Ooh. I take out the um, uh, the chicken because I don't eat meat, and I plonk a few lumps of 
salmon or whatever, you know, something alternative protein in there. And it's just really fun. And then the way I grew up eating that was kind of quite liquidy, you know, um, lots of liquid. But as I've grown older, I tend to make it almost like a risotto. So it's like kind of that sort of not soupy consistency, you know, does that make sense? Oh yeah, no, that's uh, fascinating. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's just it's really good. simple and tasty. But yeah, yeah. I love I love cream of tomato and I like a spicy coconut um, oh. soup. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and a spicy coconut. Tomato is just ridiculous. I could eat tomato soup all day, every day. I love it. Whenever you go out, do you know where does a good tomato soup? Croatia. They love it. Every <laughs> restaurant's got some sort of tomato soup right. as a star. That's part of the reason I love Croatia. I, I could eat tomato soup every day. Um, not a bit of spice in it. You know, pour a bit of chilies in there, and I'll be, I'll be absolutely chirping. But yeah, that's good. Nice spice corn soup as well. I quite like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Just warms the heart, doesn't it? You got to get some cracking bread in there. That's why I must say, like, nice big thick bit of tiger bread. Get a bit of butter on there, bit of salt and pepper on the butter, maybe a couple of chili flakes. Oh my word! Then a nice slice of cheese as well. Mate, you can tell that you haven't eaten your dinner yet because you are absolutely <laughs> salivating there. I, I can hit, almost hear it. I don't want to talk about the extensions. I just want to <laughs> want to fantasize about these soups. Dirty. Anyway. um... <laughs> Yeah, but the trouble is, Nathan, this is July, and we're talking about soup. This should well, be a conversation yeah. that should be had in, like, October, November, for a proper yeah. soup, prime peak soup time, you know, time of year, not July. Yeah. What's nah, going form. on? We're off form. Come on now. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to these extensions. Um, I did think when uh, Joe Mixon took his pay cut... Um, that that would lead to not quite an avalanche, but a, a certain kind of rumbling of uh, a few dominoes being fall, you know falling um, in terms of contracts. That could have meant Joe Boy uh, signing his extension. Could have been T Higgins. Could have been Logan Wilson. Could have been DJ Reader. Who knows? You know, uh, but nothing has happened yet. And there's a few things. Uh, or at least one thing I took. Everyone was pretty cagey about contract extensions at the uh, at the media day today. But from one tweet I did read, uh, Duke said things are progressing a little bit slower than we'd anticipated, but everything's okay. And I think the very fact that Joe Burrow is there at training camp with his boy band floppy hair and he's out there on the practice fields uh on the riverbanks of the ohio there everything's all right there's nothing to worry about t's gonna be t's also in the building um or he will be by all accounts so all the people are dj readers gonna be back so what i'm saying is if there was a problem these guys wouldn't be there at camp are you worried at all about al hilal coming in for joe boy (laughs) um that's a really good question. Um, goodness me, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if they get knocked back for Kylian Mbappe, maybe they'll chuck a quarter of a billion over to Mike Brown. I, I bet he'd have a look at it. What do you make of all that? Sir? I mean, well, well, let, let's just give uh, our American listeners a bit of context. So, context. so basically, um, there's uh, Saudi Arabia. Um <laughs> Well, how can I how can I say that? so? The Saudi Arabian football soccer league, right, uh, has suddenly this season 
started to, as we all know, Saudi Arabia is a very rich company, oil-rich company, right? Yeah. Um, and their soccer league is, you know, not a great league, right, in terms of the great football leagues of the world. You know, the, the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, the Premiership, um, the, you know, things like the French League, the Dutch League, whatever. You know, they're not on that par. But however, this season... They are staging a major land grab, aren't they? They are buying all the players under the sun, under the noses of the team, the, the premiership teams that would normally splash the cash. And um, they're nicking loads of players. Well, not nicking, they're paying like millions. They're overpaying, in fact. And it's just kind of crazy. And the joke is any player that becomes available... A team called Al Hilal, one of the Saudi Arabian League's um, better-known teams, um, will be in, in, uh, in for him. Uh, you've got Al Nasser and Itihad FC and uh, Al Weda and Al Rayad. Um, all these teams are really splashing the cash. It's quite something to behold. And they've made a, a bid for Kylian Mbappe. Um, I think the French. Uh, player, the French striker, you know, arguably, I'd say he's probably the best player in the world right now. Do you think uh, he's certainly up there? Um, right, he's top five for sure, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So uh, he plays for Paris Saint Germain of the of the French league, and um, uh, he's he wants to leave and go and play for Real Madrid in Spain. And um, but yeah, this team in Saudi Arabia is coming on and bid like two hundred and fifty million dollars or whatever it is for him which is no, it's about it's about 300 million dollars about 260 million pounds probably about 310 million dollars something like that um, i mean you could buy outrageous. you could build a hospital for that amount of money it's yeah, just mean, obscene <laughs> do you know what's interesting and i mean I, I obviously was joking about the joe burrow thing but it does make you think because the saudis have obviously plowed all this money into the live golf you know all about that drama yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Allowing money at the moment um, into the tennis, you know, to try and sort of bring some of the tennis tournaments there and to, you know, sort of take ownership of that in some ways. Obviously, football, as in soccer, they've, you know, they're bankrolling it big time at the moment, billions of pounds being spent on um, bringing players over, transfers, wages, you know, corporate deals, television deals, sponsorship deals, the rest of it. You do wonder in the future obviously the nfl is a funny sport because it's you know it's obviously the biggest sport in the us us obviously one of the biggest sports markets probably the biggest sports market in the world i don't know how interested the saudis are in the nfl but it it is it comes with an enormous brand it comes with the greatest sporting spectacle in the world in my opinion i think in most people's opinion which is the super bowl I don't think the Saudis will have anything on the cards in terms of bringing teams over there to start franchises and start sort of weakening or, you know, sort of drying out the NFL of talent. But it, it does make you think that if they wanted to do it, they could, you know, they could set up Al Hilal, you know, American football club. And you could start, you know, loosely bringing over some backup quarterbacks, doing a kind of XFL type of, um, you know, type of product. 
these athletes, the money that they're being offered, you know, you do really well to say to Trevor Simeon, for example, Trevor, you can come over here and earn, you know, 15 million a year, or actually you can stay at the Bengals and earn, you know, vet minimum 2 million or something. Trevor Simeon would be off, you know, he'd be like, especially NFL players that have got short careers, people vying for the practice squad, you know, maybe guys that, you know, sort of the back end of their careers. All you'd need is a couple of big names. You get Antonio Brown out there, you know, you I, it does make you think, and I know this is wildly off topic and, you know, we've spent more time talking about Saudi Arabia and soups tonight than we have the Bengals, but it's an interesting, you know, food for thought based on what's happening in the sporting world really over the last 12 months as well. It's happened very quickly. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Messi joining um, Lionel Messi, probably the greatest player in the world, um, unless you're a fan of Ronaldo, and then he's the best player in the world. But anyway... Probably the best player in the world, probably the best player of all time, uh, has just joined Inter Miami in the MLS. Uh, how exciting must that be for SC Cincinnati fans? In a couple yeah. of weeks at TQL Stadium, you will be getting to see Lionel Messi play. So isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. And of course, SC Cincinnati is still doing remarkably well and Good luck to them. We'll be following their progress throughout the throughout the rest of the season until October. Um, so Messi has joined the MLS. There's a Major League Cricket League. That might make sense. Major League Cricket, I believe, uh, with some really good players uh, that have been signed up, like Franchise League T20 Cricket. That if it's not hasn't started already, it's starting imminently. Uh, you get the Live Golf. You get all this, uh, you know, the Saudi Arabian soccer league. It, sport is now truly global. And I do I, I wonder, um, I just wonder that maybe America and the Saudi Arabia culturally <laughs> never are not a good fit, shall we say. Well, you say, you say that the boxing, I mean, not that the boxing is necessarily US first, but you've had some fighters, US fighters fight out there. The no, US that's true. You've also got, the, I know this sounds silly, but if you're talking about sort of American culture, the WWE wrestling, huge in Saudi Arabia, absolutely massive. Right, so, right, right. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm completely it's wrong, been, yeah. WWE has been going out to Saudi Arabia for you, probably the best part of a decade, if not longer. They they were one of the first to, yeah. you know, Man was one of the first to sort of go out there and say, look, I'm, you know, willing to sort of explore this market, make a cheap dollar. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I It probably would take a, a fair... I mean, the thing with... Something like a, bringing American football over there is just the sheer size of the roster. You know, it's not just, um, you know, sort of get 11 people on a field and you can, you know, play. No, it's, and it's logistically, logistically. So, I mean, the thing that you, us fans don't normally think about is, as you say, it's not the size of the rosters, but also all the equipment and all the logistics of getting the equipment from one game to the other is just a monumental task, actually. It's... Uh, yeah. I don't think there's many Saudi um, people that live in the, in the country that I think they're more aspiring to be people like Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe and sure. you know, the Tiger Woodses of the world than your Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the NFL is trying to be more of an international sport. You know, they're pitching up in Germany and Mexico. Obviously, they do a huge amount over here in the UK. So I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next year or two, but I mean, five years Certainly, ten if the money if the Saudis have still got their money left after after the amount that they're pumping at the moment. Well, I was going to say also, you know, you look towards the um, the move towards uh, a green economy and the phasing out of fossil fuels, fuels perhaps, 
uh, for me personally, that that would be the hope. But I know a lot of people out there that would be terrifying to even contemplate. But the world is going towards that. That might affect Saudi Saudi money, to be honest. Would you know? Because most of it is is from the oil industry. So. It's interesting, all this kind of geopolitical sports stuff, or maybe it isn't. Maybe we're just interested in it and everyone's kind of switched off now. I don't know. Uh, we'll get back to talking about the Bengals, shall we? Right. Um, yeah, as I say, Joe Mixon taking a pay cut. I thought that would precipitate a a bit of a move or some movement in the negotiations with Joe Boy. Hasn't happened yet. Maybe, and I, I do think that for all the rest of the stuff to happen uh joe boy needs to be signed up first would you agree with that i think that's a fairly safe uh and uh sensible thing to say yeah 100 percent. you want to know where your biggest deal lies first because if the i don't know how much is going on at the negotiation table um with joe boy's agent or joe boy himself but you want that deal done and i think when you've got those ducks in a row you can kind of look at what you've got left because it's going to be a massive deal it's going to be one of the biggest deals in u.s sports history um maybe even in sort of you know at the time anyway in the world for um a professional athlete so yeah i mean it's the biggest deal the bengals would have ever done as a franchise you can expect it to take time but you've got to get that done first and then after that, you can start looking around and saying, right, what have we got left here and how does that work out? So I'm confident. I, it's perhaps taken a smidgen longer than I would have thought. It, I think at the start of the off-season, people kind of thought, you know, quite quickly after the draft and free agency that they'd be straight on it and, you know, sort of going into camp and going into the preseason that it would probably be locked up. But I think it's fantastic to see the character that Joe Boy is, that he's there, he's not kicking and fussing and, you know, it all looks like he's in a good mood. Like you said, everyone's in the building, that's positive. The last thing the Bengals want is, you know, you've had the last couple of off-seasons where Joe Boy threw injury, um, you know, with the ACL and his MCL and then his appendix last year. The last thing you want as a fan is some, you know, sort of storm in a teacup, media frenzy of, oh, he's going to hold out and, you know, oh, he's not going to be at camp and he's, you know, he's refusing to play unless the Bengals sign him up. All the Bengals are cheap. They've got no money or they're not going to be able to afford him and they're going to trade him. No one wants that. I'm hoping that it won't come to that. I don't think it will, but... Yeah, it'd be good for them certainly to get it tied up, I think, before the uh, the first preseason game or, you know, any chance they've got of using him. Because obviously at his end, Joe Boy and his agent will be sitting there saying, look, you know, you're on the verge of signing one of these, you know, this monstrous deal of what you will be. Um, if something was to happen to him, you know, on the practice field or, you know, and God forbid anything like this happening or in a preseason game, if he played a couple of snaps or whatever, obviously that would impact the deal and how much the Bengals would be willing to, to offer him. So, yeah. It'd be good to just get it get it inked, and you got to say for what Joe Boy's given this club, he more than deserves it. Yeah, no, no issue with paying him, um, paying him properly. I don't think. And uh, Mike kind of said, you know, um, Mike Brown, that is kind of said, you know, they've got no problem. They he said it today in the media. Said, you know, no problem with paying uh, what players deserve. It's it's basically who gets what and. I think he was asked about T. Higgins, and we'll come to this a bit later, that he gave a very interesting answer to. Um, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. But, yeah, it's just good to see... It's just good to see those guys walk the walk again from the stadium out over to the... You know, cross the road and get onto the practice fields. It's always a good, um, a good sight. I enjoy that. 
Um, enjoy seeing those players uh, out and about again. Um, another bit of news that we must talk about this week is the Ring of Honour. Uh, two players. Um, I think we're both secretly pleased um, about this, although I would have chosen Bob Trumpy because I'm a big believer in, uh, as I mentioned in last week's pod, you know, I'm a big believer for the older generations to get their due. Um, we talked about, uh, well, we will be talking about Ken Riley next week. Um, and poor old Ken didn't get to see um, himself um, inducted into the Ring of Honour. And he's not going to see himself uh, get inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame, which is a real tragedy. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else, really. And so if there's an op- for me personally, you know, if there's the opportunity to induct someone from the older generation so they can really feel that love and feel the appreciation for what they achieved and what they gave to the club, then I'm, I'm all for it. And um, so I would have liked to have seen Trumpy in and, you know, you've got Lamar Parrish, uh, as well, uh, who I'd like to see get in. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Everyone on that list, all the inducted, all the nominees, are they should all all be in a ring of honour. You know what I mean? They all they're all worthy. It's just a case of what year they go in. And this year, it just happened to be Chad Johnson and Boomer Esiason, two players from different generations. One from, and I think. Probably, I think it's fair to say, Nathan, isn't it? Both of those players, um, for you it was Chad, for me it was Boomer. Those two players um, probably um, made us support the Bengals. Would that be true to say? Yeah, I mean, Chad was iconic, wasn't he? And if if you just looked at his numbers as a receiver, they're excellent. Um, But it was him as the the character. It really gave a lot of attention to the Bengals. It put them on TV. It made them an entertaining um, package to watch. And Chad deserves it. Does he deserve to get in in the top four people? I think that maybe, as you've just sort of alluded to, it may be slightly generous to him. But he was always one of those people that was going to get in and, you know, he thoroughly deserves it. I, I think the way the Bengals do it with two getting in each year, I think it's great. I think it gives, you know, ample amount of time to give people, you know, across the year their, you know, the recognition that they deserve. But you just don't want to feel like players that, you know, don't get in until the sort of fourth, fifth, sixth round that it in any way sort of you know diminishes or um tarnishes the fact that they were legends of the club i don't think we should look at it like that and i think what you said about you know potentially the the voters and the season ticket holders you know tending to have slightly more um affinity and allegiance with players that um you know they've grown up watching and players of more recent generations it's a very good point and i, I don't know how you address that i don't know if you do a bit like the hall of fame does where you have sort of one player um that you induct from a certain era and then one from another or you, you know how how you do that like that but you do want to make sure that these these players that um you know are legends of the club from slightly further back that they get the recognition they deserve and they get in but i think it'll take time obviously you know only doing two players Per, uh, per season but um yeah I mean, more than anything i'm just delighted the bengals are doing it you know you're talking about three years ago this didn't exist and it's a lovely um you know it's a lovely um offering from the bengals and it's something we've said before that gives the, those players far more recognition on a national level you know it gets the media involved it gets 
um, you know, the favoured fans of the Bengals that maybe don't know some of these players from, you know, further back. They've only been following the team for a, a shorter period of time. It gives, you know, shines a light on the, the legacy of some of these players that have given to the team from, the, you know, the 70s, the 80s and the 90s. So, yeah, it's great to see and I'm delighted for uh, both Chad and Boomer. Yeah, I mean, and also I think with Chad, because of his personality, you forget almost how good a player he was. I, I was looking, you know, there's obviously lots of highlights being posted on Twitter and whatnot and online generally. And bloody hell, uh, he, he was so good. He was just so quick, so twitchy, so... There was just a real X factor about him that he could break games wide open, take games over, make incredible catches, um, and then you had the personality on top, you know. And and for Boomer, the reason why I started the, the yeah he was the reason I started play, uh, supporting the Bengals back in the day. I won't bore you with the story because I'm sure lots of people have heard it already. But he was he was the same. He had this. Very uh, outwardly uh, confident personalities. You'd probably call it a bit of swagger today. Um, he really brought that team together, I think. Uh, that, you know, uh, AFC Championship winning team who went to the Super Bowl. Um, he could do it all. You know, he, as I say, if I was going to d- compare him to someone in this era or certainly the era before it would you know if i was to compare joe burrow to someone it would be ken anderson you know it is that kind of or you know tom brady that ultra kind of um accurate uh competitive uh steely-eyed sort of guy whereas boomer i think he was more of a peyton manning i think that's fair to say he he could a slinger yeah a little bit more of a slinger but um, basically, you know, he because of Sam Weich's no-huddle offense, he used to call the plays in the huddle or, you know, in the gathering. It wasn't really a huddle because the players wouldn't come off, you know. Um, so he was calling plays uh, as uh, as and when. So he was like a field general and his arm was great. His leadership was great. Um, he had the look. He was a blonde bombshell, you know. He was... Um, so yeah, quite quite a player, uh, and of course league MVP in 1988. So one of the, well certainly one of the, um, the greatest players in franchise history. Um, I would say at this moment in time, he's the second just just behind Ken Anderson. He's he's the second best quarterback. But I, you know you'd imagine that Joe Boy would, uh, at the end of his career, would would overtake both of those guys. Perhaps he's certainly got uh, the chance to. Um, so yeah, thrill for Boomer getting his dues, doing a lot of fantastic work as well for uh, for charity, mate, um, and of course Chad. You know, so it's going to be quite a night, and I believe it is the Dolphins game. Is that right? That's the that's the induction night, I think. I believe so. Well, there we go. Right. Uh, anyway, it's enough of us talking. Let's bring in a special guest. Cincinnati. And as promised, it's time to speak to uh, one of our favourite Bengals beat writers. It seems funny not introducing him as the Athletics' Jay Morrison, but of course we all know that 
Uh, he's had a he's had an up and down summer, I suppose you'd call it. But uh, he's now writing for Pro Football Network. And, but we're, so we're delighted a that uh, he's still on the Bengals beat, so we get to talk to him, and b that we are getting to talk to him again. So Jay uh, Jay Morrison, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be back. Glad to still be on the beat. I'm not a big fan of cats, but I do admire the way they land on their feet, and I, I right. I'm happy that I was able to do that. Yeah, so are we Jay, so are we. Um, I think your Twitter or whatever it's called now, uh, handle or whatever they're called now, has changed a little bit. So it's at by Jay Morrison. Um, so please go and follow Jay, and then go and subscribe to Pro Football Network uh, because you'll find all uh, Jay's uh, brilliant insight and articles on on the Bengals. Uh, we're going to you know, steal. You, I'm sorry oh. to interrupt, but you actually, uh, people don't have to subscribe. They just have to, ah. they just have to dial it up on the website. The, the, the so content. I've still got the athletic in my head, yeah, but you but, can, you can yeah. subscribe to it, right? You can subscribe to a newsletter. You can subscribe or... to a newsletter and then you get all of our stories sent to you in sure. your email. Uh, but if you want to go to the site, it is free to read anything on there. I, I do beg your pardon. And no, uh, that's fine. Uh, happy to uh, happy to correct that absolutely so go to pro football network it's all free lots of great stuff from jay there right we're gonna steal a little bit of your insight and expertise now it's uh it's obviously things are whirring back into action uh things uh, players back in the building players back out on the practice fields players are making that arduous little walk from paul brown stadium over the road to the practice fields um it's a fun time of year isn't it it's it's, it's exciting do you feel that it is it's it's the cliche first day of school uh, is what tomorrow <laughs> will feel like when uh everybody gets back together I, I i guess the the players will get that today uh no media access today but then the the first practice tomorrow with fans uh right. and media there um so it's it's gonna be interesting a little changing things up it's always been kind of a, a morning open locker room and then you go out and watch practice uh and you were able to kind of grab guys coming off the field if you needed them uh now all the open locker room and interviews are gonna be done after practice so um but much better chance of getting people that way you know that right they, right they they all have to go in the locker room after practice so if uh that they have to tell you no to your face that they don't want to talk to you if, if that's the case instead of just hiding out in the cafeteria during <laughs> right, lunchtime. Right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. A little bit new in that regard, but again, it it, it just uh, you know you you look at the continuity of this coaching staff and the way they kind of do business, and it it does it just feels not repetitive, but it's a routine. It's and it's good yeah. to have a routine. Yeah. Um. Where are they? Where are they, Jay? Where where are they as a team, as a club? It all feels positive and healthy um a few issues still waiting to be resolved but how, how do you see uh the Bengals as a club and as a team at the moment yeah mostly healthy which is always a big concern this time of year and drama free I mean there's not a lot of uh external issues you know you have Joe Mixon facing the court case next month um either way I, I can't see how that would affect his his tenure here i mean they, he's got 4.1 million guaranteed this year now after the the contract restructure so he's gonna be around um joe burrow is under contract for two more years whether he signs an extension this offseason or not i know everyone's focused on that but it's just it's not that big of a deal yet it, 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 it's waiting out the justin herbert um there, there's no indication that this is a a, a serious impasse 
um, both sides keeping it close to the vest, as, as Mike Brown said yesterday. So I, I fully expect this to get done before the start of the season. You know, you start, they always put that deadline at the start of the regular season. That's when you negotiations stopped and they don't like to negotiate in season. So, you know, we, we get to cut down day, then maybe you start worrying. But I, I think at some point um, here in, in late July, early August, that that's probably going to get hammered out and get finished. And the big, the real question is T Higgins and, and Logan Wilson, um, you know, do, do they sign them? I know, that is the plan to, to structure Joe's contract in a way where they can afford them. Um, but I'm still not sure, you know, is, is that the right move? I know everyone loves T Higgins. He's a terrific player, but I don't know that you can afford to have that much money wrapped up on one side of the ball. You're talking about a huge contract for Joe Burrow, a huge contract for Orlando Brown jr. Next year, a huge contract for Jamar chase. I just don't know if there's room for 25 million a year for T um, that's why they've drafted all these defensive guys um, that are going to be quality impact players uh, to kind of offset that. But that's the really the biggest issue in my mind. You, it, Burrow is when, not if. And does T. Higgins get signed? The good thing there is if he doesn't, he I don't see him as a guy that's going to pout and cause a stink. And, and this isn't going to be an issue that lingers into the season. If anything, it's going to, it's going to be better for the Bengals. He's going to go out and play his butt off and try to get the big contract next year, whether it's here or somewhere else. So, uh, and the same deal with Logan Wilson, that it's not always a bad deal if they elect to not sign an extension and, and decide to bet on themselves and go out and have a great year and try to increase that value next year. I'll throw another name in there. Listeners will not be surprised when I throw this name in there, it's DJ Reader. Uh, everyone seemingly, everyone's either favourite player in my case, but second favourite player perhaps, or third favourite player. It feels like the Bengals have drafted pretty much replacements for everyone perhaps that's that's coming towards the end of a contract. You know, maybe Miles Murphy, Trey Hendrickson, uh, DJ Turner, Chido Awuzier. You go down the line a little bit. Charlie Jones, um, uh, Tyler Boyd, um, but no, they haven't really drafted someone to replace DJ Reader. Maybe that will come next year. But yeah, I mean, do you think DJ's got a chance of of getting a second contract here in Cincinnati? Uh, yeah, I do. If, uh, if if T and Logan don't get something done, then then maybe he agrees this year, or maybe he does the same thing and goes out and plays this year and bets on himself, and then sees what happens. That's the thing with this, where they've got a legitimate shot to win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, you know, you wait and see, you play it out. It's not just betting on yourself that you're going to have a great year and your value is going to go up next year, but you play it out. You, you win a ring this year, then that opens all the possibilities. It's like, okay, I've got my ring. Now I'm going to go get the biggest contract possible. Whereas if they fall a little bit short again this year, then maybe they're willing to come back for a little less money that they could get mm -hmm. elsewhere because they know they are right at the crest of, of winning a title. Um, but it, DJ's, it, it, you, you talked about not having a replacement for him. He's pretty much irreplaceable. I mean, he is so outstanding at what he does. And I, you know, I still think he's got years in him, but it's always a concern when they start creeping up around 30 and the Bengals learned that lesson a few years ago when they dumped all over a hundred million dollars on Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap after they crossed that 30 year old threshold. And it's, it's, it's more of playing the odds than saying we don't believe in you. And 
Um, you know, when, when you've got, when you're as limited financially as they are because of all the other contracts, it, it, it's just, you almost kind of have to play it smart like that. But again, DJ loves it here. The Bengals love DJ. Um, as great as he is, I don't, it's still not, it's becoming a more premium position, but yeah. it's kind of on par. You see what's happening to the running backs. Well, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he does rush the passer, but he's in there to, to stop the run game and to eat up space in there. And if, if running backs are becoming more less valuable then then maybe these true nose tackles, uh, it goes that way as well. And people want to pay the three techniques and the wide receivers and the, the quarterbacks and all that. So um, it, it kind of remains to seen what his market it would even be next year. Um, so I, I don't rule it out, but they're going to have to, you have to be creative to try to keep him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Okay, let's talk about uh, going to camp. Every team seems to have camp battles, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that many on the Bengals. Um, I think running backs quite interesting, but the 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 backup running back, you know, is Travion going to be that third down back, or will um, will Chase Brown have a you know kind of steam into that position? Um, the one position I did want to talk to you about was right tackle because you have a, a guy who has just been kind of having, has had his starting position taken away from him. Uh, some people will be happy about that. He didn't play great last year. I'm talking about Jonah, of course. He's being shunted out to right tackle, which affects his earning power. He's a bit pissed off about it, but he's settling down. And then you've got another guy who is a, ready-made right tackle who didn't have a great year either last year let's face it in Lael Collins and he's going to be coming back at some stage um is there a battle to be had there do you think or is it fairly straightforward it's going to be Jonah this year uh I noticed that Lael Collins has been put on pop so um you know what what's your feeling about that is there a battle there going on throwing Jackson Carmen if you want but yeah how do you what's your feelings about that right tackle position yeah, I think Jonah's going to be the guy, the opening day starter. Um, you know, it, I don't even know if we'll see that much of Jackson Carmen um, at right tackle and with the ones at least in in mm. training camp because they're going to want to get Jonah all the reps they can as he's 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 switched positions and they're they're really pleased with the way he he handled himself away from the team. He didn't show up for the voluntary stuff, but he worked his butt off. He's in great shape. He's been doing you know pass sets and trying to get used to basically mirroring his technique to go to the other side. The Collins thing is interesting. I mean, you mentioned it. He's on pup. So the the my expectation is that he will remain on pup. I mean, we're still talking about an ACL tear that was on Christmas Eve. It's that would be an incredible recovery. When you're talking about a guy that size with that much weight on those knees, it just takes a little longer. Um and so you're just buying time with this pup move, basically, because if they if they get to the 53 man cut down and put him on reserve pup, then he doesn't count against the 53 man limit. And he has to miss the, at least the first four games. And it can go beyond that. It can go to week nine, week 10. So he, you can kind of just stash him. Now, he can't practice with the team, but he can do everything else. He can be in meetings and and all of that. And he's. He kind of just sits there as as an insurance policy where, you know, if, if someone does go down, then you can bring him in. So I 
I don't know what will happen if Jonah plays great and then Elsie gets fully healthy. I don't know what goes on there where, you know, do they, do they pull him off of pup when they don't really need him? Um, that, that'll be an interesting decision, but they're, you know, they're both making over $10 million this year. So that is a lot to tie up for two people at one position, but we saw last year how, how the depth of this O-line, they finally increased the, the quality of the starting unit, but the depth of this line really hamstrung this team down the stretch and in the playoffs. And so having LC around is, is not, a bad thing if you can afford it. And I, I think, you know, that all goes into the mix and pay cut and all these other decisions on T and Logan there. I, I think you're going to see LC here for a while. And then once, once he gets fully healthy, that's when the decision comes. Mm. What about elsewhere? Anything else we should be um, looking out for in camp? Any, any other mini little battles you think i mean i'm i'm really personally interested in the um in the secondary especially the safety unit i know that's been talked about i thought i thought you know bates and bear were just so good together so good they work so nicely together um and it's going to be really interesting to see dax hill and nick scott and you can throw in anderson of course jordan battle as well um, how, would that be a fair assessment? All eyes on the safeties. That's position. Is that something you'll be looking at? And, and anything else that we should be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how how those guys bond and, and communicate and all that. I don't think there's a battle there so much as who the starters are going to be. I think it's pretty clear cut. It's going to be Nick Scott and, and Dax Hill. Maybe Jordan Battle can prove us all wrong and come in. I mean got a great pedigree coming out of college but still you know asking a rookie to come in and and win a starting job like that is 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 a lot and I just I don't know I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out but not so much it, it's going to be more about how they they come together and form that chemistry it's going to take a while to get on the the Von Bell and Jesse mm. Bates level um, so that part of it is what's going to be the more interesting thing and watching for for blown assignments do you have jamar chase or t higgins or somebody running free right down the field because they messed something up so that'll be more what i'm watching there um i'm i i might be alone but i i think the punter battle is going to be really fun um mm. i i i i know people are down on drew chrisman he had that bad punt that led to the punt return that set up the field goal that sent the chiefs to the super bowl but you know they they brought him here for a reason he's got a huge leg and he he's he's he had good hang time in college and, you know, he was, he was a rookie who replaced a, let's a, a veteran. That was a, I don't know. Kind of, I don't know if you want to say a legend, a Bengals legend, but I mean, Kevin Huber played more games for the Bengals than anybody in franchise history. And, and he takes over for him in the middle of the season and that's a lot of pressure. And, and, you know, sometimes that gets to young guys and then they, they get that out of the way. And I think he's going to put up a fight against Brad Robbins, the, the, the rookie this year mm. out of Michigan, mm. who also has a huge leg and is no, he led the, he led college in hang time the last two years. And that's what Darren Simmons want. Hang time is going to, I don't say it's going to be the only thing that decides this battle because you got it. You have to punt directionally and, and, and do get the ball where it needs to go. You can't just kick it down the middle of the field. But um, I do. I think that's going to be an interesting co um, competition. Um, I think the fourth wide receiver is going to be an interesting competition because, you know, it's they brought 
they drafted Charlie Jones and Andre Yosivash to to battle for that spot and then take it away from Trent Irwin. And but Trent Irwin's been here for a while and he's he's been very consistent and a very tough guy over the middle. And um, yeah, yeah, there was a, quite a drop off when Tyler Boyd left that AFC Championship game and, and Irwin came in. But you know these these rookies are going to have to take it from him and. And I, I'm excited to see what Charlie Jones can do and, and Yoshi Vash. They're, they're battling for the number four wide receiver, but they're going to run with the wands a lot in camp and try to either build or break trust with Joe Burrow. And it's just, I, I think that's going to be fun to see. I, they're, both of those guys are exciting prospects. And um, that's what that's what training camp is. It's not a lot of banging and physical stuff. It's running around and it's, it's almost like a seven man game a lot of times. So it's, that's going to be an interesting thing to see as well. And don't forget backup quarterback. I mean, hopefully it's moot. doesn't matter because Joe Burrow's going to take every snap this year. But, you know, they bring in Trevor Simeon, 30 career starts. Jake Browning's never played down in the NFL. Um, but they they let both guys know that, hey, this is an open competition. You're going to get equal reps. You're going to battle it out. And it this might be the best backup competition that they've had. It's definitely the best backup competition that they've had uh, since Zach Taylor and company have been here. And I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a better one, even back to the Andy Dalton days. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, Jay, uh, all to look forward to, I think uh, we're going to look forward to, <laughs> it's always the time of year, isn't it? When you see footage of say a seventh round receiver make an amazing catch and fans go nuts and call him as a pro bowler straight away. And uh, you know, there's that insane level, those insane levels of optimism, right? Um, so we're all looking forward. Well, we're just all looking forward to having football back, uh, which is yeah. great. Um, and it's great to have you back. And uh, no doubt we will speak to you during the season. But uh, until then, thanks, Jay. Good to catch up with you, man. Yeah, great to talk to you, Paul. Come back on anytime. Cincinnati. And there we go. Huge thanks to our pal Jay Morrison. Always uh, fantastic to welcome him on the podcast and um thrilled that he's back um was kind of slightly shocked and uh concerned uh when the athletic um uh, made a lot of people redundant and unfortunately jay was one of them but it's great to see him back on the bengals beat and uh, so do go and um uh, uh subscribe to pro football network's coverage of the bengals uh, and that will be uh, Jay writing away diligently there. Uh, shall we get to some of your correspondences? There's only a few, Nathan, but I think they're quite interesting. Um, uh, Sean at Shawnee01. Um, might be controversial opinion, but I'd love Tommy Smith to be inducted into the Bengals Ring of Honor. Maybe have a separate bit for extraordinary people. Uh, who were linked to the team to not take away from the players who deserve to be in front uh, in from the pitch stuff. Now, Tommy Smith, if you didn't know, was um, still is. He's still around. Um, he was part of the um, American Olympic team uh, who raised a fist uh, in protest at civil rights or for civil rights in I believe the 1968 uh, Olympics and of course we had him on the um, podcast one of my favorite ever episodes that you know we were able to talk to the 
Tommy Smith, such an iconic guy. If you remember that amazing black and white photograph of the three guys, the, the three African-American guys on the podium raising a gloved fist in, in protest. Uh, incredible business. And um, we're very lucky to have him on the podcast. So Sean makes a great point. And, you know, you looked at, say, Michael Johnson, who um, marched with Barack Obama in, uh, in, uh, uh, in Selma. I believe, uh, a few years back. And and you look at someone like Reggie Williams, who was Walter Payton Man of the Year in, uh, let me have a look, 1986. Uh, obviously, Munoz and Ken Anderson are already on the Ring of Honor. They were also Walter Payton um, Men of the Year. Um, so, yeah, it's not a bad idea, Sean. I like that idea. Um, uh, I certainly think Tommy Smith is, uh, is certainly... Um, deserving of some sort of recognition uh, by the Bengals. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, I think the Bengals, like I said, have done a great job in recognising these um, legends of the club. And uh, I think definitely with something, you know, as iconic as that, whether it's the, a place for the, the Ring of Honour or it's maybe something separate, some sort of feature around the stadium. I know they're looking at doing some work to... Um, remodeling Paycor Stadium in the future. It could be nice to, you know, really try and um, pay tribute to, uh, to guys like that around the stadium, be it a statue, a plaque, anything like that. I think people love stuff like that. They want mm. to remember the legends from the team and, you know, iconic moments like that. And I think where possible, the Bengals should really make a push to do things like that. You know, it's, it's always well received and, um, yeah, it really gives back to, to some of these guys that have given a lot to the club. And also going back to my idea of a Bengals museum of some description somewhere downtown, uh, an area about Tommy Smith would be perfect for that. If he's not kind of, yeah. you know, he let's face it, he didn't, I, I don't know how many games he's tied. It might be only literally one or two. He was only there for a season, uh, but perhaps, so perhaps not Ring of Honour worthy in that respect. Uh, but certainly, as a as a as a person of high integrity and courage and uh, cultural significance, then you got to say, "Oh, Tommy is perfect for a Bengals museum." And I I will reiterate this: um, the Bengals get on it. Loads of people would be absolutely delighted to see Tommy Smith's memorabilia in a Bengals museum. They'd be delighted to see loads of stuff on. On some of the players that don't make the Ring of Honor, you know, I think it, I think it'd be great. I get it sorted. I think it's brilliant. Twenty dollars in, and yeah. we're, you know, we're now coming every year. We're bringing, you know, it's. I think people would be really interested in that. No, I think it's a fantastic idea. I really do. Right, Jamie Trequat Beaster. Which Bengals player is the most Barbie, and which is the most Oppenheimer? Now, I went to see Oppenheimer at the weekend, uh, but I've not yet seen Barbie. So, but I, Oppenheimer, flawed, genius, driven, obsessive, slightly egotistical. Um, it's got to be Joe Burrow, hasn't it? I have not seen either, and I really want to see both. But from what I've seen, I think, yeah, Burrow possibly for Oppenheimer. Uh, maybe Sam Hubbard, but is that nice? Maybe not. No. Well, the brains, you're looking at Travion Williams, right? Because he's, he's the brainiest of the bunch there. Um, but in terms of like a creator, a leader, an enigmatic leader, um, someone who's brilliant but also flawed, perhaps. Yeah, maybe Burrow is a good, 
is a good uh, is a good one is a good a good one. But then I would also suggest Burrow for Barbie, um, <laughs> <laughs> only because of the outfits that he wears. Um, yeah, pre-game. But I don't know. So what is Barbie? It's supposed to be a feminist Barbie, isn't it? Um, from what I understand. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> don't know. Tricky one. Tricky one. I, I'm going Burrow for both. How about that? Well, yeah, Joe Burrow crossing the divide between exactly. Barbie, and a true Barbieheimer character, uh, a <laughs> Burrowheimer, and uh, a Joe Burrow B. Uh, anyway, Richard Merg toyed at Richard Merg ninety. Your views on the running back market, and if their Zoom meeting would actually achieve anything, would be nice. I don't understand that sentence, Richard. I do apologize but if you're asking us for our views on the running back market um nick old chubbers nick chubb came out and said the running back market is very unfair you know um from one season to another they the owners and scouts and uh general manager departments seem to be kind of one season you know running back might run for 2000 yards and then the next season they'll be looking to cut his money because and I quote, you know, there's tread on the tyre and he's starting to look a bit worn down. That's the excuse that I think Nick Chubb was um, objecting to. Um, the running back market, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Running I've backs have been still, like that, though. They've got a very shortish, right at the top in terms of money, they've got quite a shortish shelf life, haven't they? Yeah, they do. And I feel really sorry for the running backs of today because... You would be hesitant, wouldn't you, giving that second contract to a running back? I mean, I th- I don't know whether it's, I, d- I don't know whether players nowadays, because of the concussion protocols, the way they look after players, if they don't can't quite go as long. I mean, you have seen running backs. You can't look past, you know, these legends of the game like your Adrian Petersons and your LTs and you know people like that. That when they're playing a world-class and add a different dimension to offences. I mean, I, you know, and much more recently, I mean, I wouldn't say for a second necessarily that he's a legend of the game, but when Le'Veon Bell was at his peak playing for the Steelers, I was terrified to play against him. You know, he just added that extra element to their offence and, you know, he'd make one or two yards before and he'd make four be ten and he would just be, you know, an absolute demon to deal with. And I, I do still think that running back, like a quality running back that can make people miss, can plough over yards. You look at what Derek Henry's done. There is still the market there. It's just people don't want to tie up money in a running back long term. Yeah. And I wonder, as I was saying before, if you're, you know, a sort of an athlete coming through, playing at the high school level and, and that you're sort of, you know, on a slightly smaller scale of things, do you look to try and play a different position? You know, if you're serious about going to the NFL and you're even at college, are you thinking, oh, actually, should I try and be a slot receiver here? Should I try and play, you know, defensive back? Should I, you know, a linebacker? You know, where you might get a slightly longer-term contract. Now, I don't know if, you know, obviously, if you've, you're skilled in one area or another, you, you know, it's not that easy. But I do, you know, I do feel sorry for some of these elite athletes coming out that, you know, people in other positions are getting paid all sorts of silly money. And you've got people like Joe Mixon that's, you know, taking a pay cut. He's the guy's 26. You know, he'd turn around and say, look, most other sports are the peak of my career. I'm, you know, maybe not even at the peak of my career. And, you know, he's having to take a, a you know, a pay cut on you know, on one of his deals to stay on the team. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's a tough one. But, 
it's certainly the fashionable thing. I mean, there's a million stats, graphics, memes of, you know, like, don't pay running backs. Look at these Super Bowl winners and how much they've been paying their running backs. No one is winning Super Bowls, paying running backs 10, 12, 15 million. You know, and they have got a point. So it's a difficult one, isn't it? But, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, tricky one. Daniel at London Bengal. If you had to pick one player to have a drink with other than Joe Burrow, who would it be? I have a feeling me and Brad Robbins would be BFFs. <laughs> um, I would go for either <clears throat> Sam Hubbard or DJ Reader. I mean, we had DJ Reader on. He was just an unbelievably nice man, wasn't he? Really friendly, jovial, upbeat character. I think you'd have. Got, I mean, I'm sure he'd drink me under the table, DJ Reader. But he, you know, until until he did, I think he'd be a an absolute cracking geezer to have a pint with. Yeah, I think uh, Ted Karras would be fun, don't you? Yeah, I reckon uh, he'd get a fight, Ted Karras. Though. I reckon he'd be the sort of geezer that you, you reckon. You know, you'd be down the booze with him, and you'd have a couple, and he'd get a bit on it himself, and then. You know, someone to give him the look it in the wrong way, and he, you know, it could all boot <laughs> off with Ted. If you wanted a bit, if you wanted a bit of a night of carnage, I reckon you go out with Ted Karras. You know, I reckon he'd, I reckon he'd, I reckon he'd be putting whiskey away, Ted Karras. I can just see it. I reckon T Higgins would be a laugh as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to say DJ Reader, aren't I? Really. Uh, final one tonight, Jamie at Trekwart Beast. Uh, um, has Nathan again? Has Nathan ever eaten crisps while having a shit? <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> i know um there's an image that I, I don't really want to carry with me um i don't think i has anybody ever eaten anything while having a poo it's not the place is it it's not the place to be eating is it no, I don't think so. I don't know what, yeah, no, I don't know if the, how the two would come together for me. Like, the only way I could imagine it, practically, <laughs> yeah. if you got an ice cream or something and you need it, because you couldn't really put it down, could you? So you'd have to hold it. But what are you even even opening an ice cream when you've got, well, got, you've got some stirrings down below that you need to, if you uh, had like need a, to decant faecal matter? If you were upstairs and you had, you know, you'd sort of whacked open like a twister or whatever, like, and it's melting a bit, <laughs> and then you're like, fucking, oh, I need to, you know, I've got to, I've got to get it all out. That's the only. I mean, practically, you would need to hold it, wouldn't you? I mean, so you, you would like. I've, all of a sudden, like, you know, I've gone completely off my dinner for the second time. In this... <laughs> so, but what you're saying is, you'd have, you'd finish your cornetto while. Curling one out. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I would rather not. But you, what, you, what you can't, what are you going to do? You stick it in a bowl and then it melt, and it's a bit of a mess. I, I don't know. That's the only. But I mean, you'd have to get caught like pretty because you'd know, wouldn't you? Like you wouldn't just well, go yeah, down. Yeah, it's not. I mean, depends. I mean, yeah. Surely, again, you'd like even a pack of Chris. Like you've owned a pack of Chris, and you're like. Crisp, you just chuck them down. Like, you wouldn't be eating them, would you? No, I mean that's pretty grim, isn't it? You wouldn't have some spicy um, knickknacks on the on the shitter, would you? Oh, uh, shocking! It's a shocking scenario, Jamie. I mentioned that even our listeners need to, you know, just ease their way back in with the questions. And I do think that's uh, that's a question that uh, there's, you know, that is that's that's the sharpener. That's a that's a limbering up question, really. I think. Um, 
No solid handles. No solid handles. But again, you know, I have to say, um, there weren't too many questions. Um, actually, we do have one from Pat Mebollocks. Uh, at Pat Mebollocks. Um, Shocking. <laughs> and you know who that is, don't you? That is, uh, uh, is uh, who used to be called Megafarter. And now it's called Pat Me Bollocks. Yes. So, and I noticed, do you know what? We got through an entire episode without swearing until these last two minutes. So, um, and now it's all happening. Um, he said, um, Scott says, I, I, he's a bit concerned about this quote from Mike Brown on T. Higgins. I don't know yet how these pieces are going to fit. We hope to fit some of them in. Um, getting T signed up again should be priority number two, in my opinion, says uh, Scott. Um, yeah, I don't know about T. I, I want to sign him, and there should be a way to do it. But, again, we'll find out more when, when Joe Boy signs, I think. Do um, Joe Boy has got any interest whatsoever in doing a team-friendly deal, sort of a la Tom Brady of, like, look... You know, because at the end of the day for him, he... You know, he will be more successful and the Bengals will be more successful if he's thrown to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. I think Tyler Boyd's going to find himself as the odd man out in that scenario, um, you know, moving forward. But certainly with those two, you know, if you're Joe Boy, you're willing to move some money around. I mean, that, I think you've got them three on your team for the next three or four years. You can playoffs every year, aren't you? I mean, I know it's not that simple and you've still got to play defense and, you know, there's other elements with the line and, you know, et cetera. But if those, if you've got the, that sort of power three, you're going to be very competitive, aren't you? If they all stay yeah. healthy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I hope Joe Boy is willing to do that. He doesn't strike me as the sort of geezer that's trying to sort of, you know, milk the team for every penny's worth and drive around in, you know, pour his money into, you know, Maseratis and fast cars and beaches and all this stuff. So I, I think not that he deserves to, you know, take less because of that. And he's just going to be prepared to take a below market rate deal. But I'd like to hope that at the very least, he's willing to structure it in a way that would allow the Bengals to be as flexible as possible and not just you know, sort of drain the team of money. But I, I, you would like to believe that that Joe Burrow, he's a winner, he's an athlete, isn't he, first? He's not, I mean, he's a showman, but he's not, I don't think he's one of those showmen that only cares about the money. You know, he's. I think he cares more about winning than he cares about the money. Yeah, I agree. And there, there are some contract um, um, structures out there that kind of both are able to pay him the cash uh, and also remain fairly team friendly as well so watch this space i'm not an expert on this kind of stuff go and follow andre Porata if you are um anyway we are approaching about an hour and 20 minutes so thanks for sticking with us uh we'll be back next week a uh, big week it's the week of the hall of fame game um so we'll be talking about that and more training camp stuff as and when it arises so until then, you well, you can reach us on Twitter. Yes, Twitter. I said it at Hooday underscore UK. Uh, uh, what are we? We're on Instagram as well. Bengals UK on Facebook. Uh, what are we? Bengals underscore UK on Instagram. So and on OnlyFans. Uh, OnlyFans. We haven't set up a threads yet, but we probably will. Uh, we're everywhere, more or less. So do come and say hello. Uh, but until next week, it is a Hooday from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.